You're listening to 128, a podcast about spiritual maturity, real people, real talk, real life. Welcome to 128, based on Colossians 128, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is a podcast where we unpack the spiritual journeys of those who are spiritually mature in order to glean from them uh, lessons that we can carry with us as we grow towards spiritual maturity. Uh, In this particular interview, I have the opportunity to talk with Leslie Wiseman. Uh, Leslie is uh, uh, one of our deacons and was previously lead deacon on our Plainfield campus, a longtime member of Grace Point, wonderful woman, smart woman, um, uh, incredible entrepreneur and businesswoman. And I think you're going to hear real humility in her story and uh, and just the change that God has brought about in her life. And so I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. I know I enjoyed having the conversation with Leslie, and, and I would just encourage you. You might want to have something out to take a few notes here because uh, Leslie has some real gems that's going to help uh, you and certainly help me in keeping in perspective some of what God is doing in his transformative work in us. So without much further ado, let's get into it. So it's my privilege uh, to be able to just have a conversation together, Leslie. Thank you so much for choosing to do this with me. Well, it's it's great to be here. And uh, I was humbled before I got here. And now I'm even more humbled <laughs> at your kind words. So I thank you for those, Derek. Well, we're just excited to... to um, hear your story and to learn from it. Um, And so maybe we kind of start right back in the very beginning. You were born where? I was born uh, outside of Detroit, Michigan, in a suburb called Redford. Outside of Detroit, Michigan? Motown. Really? And uh, I won't ask what the years were, but um, I was recently, (laughs) I was talking with a friend of mine who lives in Detroit, and I was just saying, I used to, I kind of used to know where Detroit was, kind of. Mm-hmm. Until I started driving to go uh, up to Quebec one year, I was like, "Oh, that's where Detroit is." Like yeah. I didn't realize yeah. exactly where it was. Um, siblings? Yes, uh, one of seven children, and five of us are still alive. So one of seven. One of seven. Oh, your parents. Well, wow. my parents uh, grew up in a two-bedroom bungalow with a finished attic, which was the dorm room, wow. and one bathroom. And uh, my mother lived in that house until she was 97 years of age. So, so nine, nine people, two bedroom bungalow with a finished basement in Redford, yeah. Michigan, outside of Detroit. Yeah. Now what order are you? I'm the third. You're the third oldest. Older sister and older brother. Got it, yeah. okay. Five still living, you said. Yep. To to have lost a sister and I've lost a brother. Got it. Okay. And mom lived to a very advanced age, which is a good thing. She made it to a hundred. Made it to a hundred years old. Yeah. My goodness. There's now what the beauty of that is the tie to history. Right? You get to ask questions that uh and she would remember things. Oh, yeah. Right. That most people would forget. Yeah. I recently I recently watched an episode of Johnny Carson show. This is the tonight show. Starring Johnny Carson. I know it's not the Johnny Carson show, but um, on YouTube. And I, t- um, I was just curious to know who was uh, the oldest person he'd ever, ever interviewed. Well, I didn't get that information, but I got the oldest active farmer 
mm. ever interviewed. And by the way, listeners, you can YouTube this if you want. Um, but he had the oldest active farmer he ever interviewed was from Illinois. He was in his 90s, still farming. And Carson asked him what he thought the greatest innovation was he ever experienced in his lifetime. And this farmer said, uh, well, the day we got electricity in the kitchen was a pretty big day. <laughs> so I always think about that. I always think about like history and yeah. any of that. So uh, raised in a Christian home, uh, what was the relationship with the spiritual environment like yeah. as you were growing up? Uh, raised Catholic. Raised Catholic. Uh, my mom was a staunch Catholic. And uh, my dad was a follower um, to the degree that I can remember uh, dad uh, saying to mom, all right, I'm going to take these three to this service and you'll go to that one with those. And and, uh, there were times where dad would come into service and there were times where dad would go drive around for an hour and then come pick us up. And we had the bulletins, so it could go on the table and he had been to church. So he could say that he had been there. Yeah, so um, not deep in his faith. And your mom, a staunch Catholic, but uh, how did that translate to faith? Well, um, like it what was, was the relationship between religion and faith. In yeah, uh, for many, many years, it was uh, the Catholic faith that I remember, which was really sadly fear-based. Mm. You know, it was uh, there wasn't much of a relationship with God that said, I'm loved and I'm redeemed. It was, I need to do this and I need to do that. And I shouldn't do this. And if I do, then I've got to do that. Um, so I, I remember that as just having to be what I couldn't be without Jesus. Mm. So very works-based. Very works-based. Did you um, grow up hearing the gospel at all? One of the, the things sometimes that I hear, it depends, right? It depends on how you were raised, but some People who were raised Catholic say they grew up without ever hearing the gospel on this podcast. Um, others would say, yes, they, they had heard the gospel and understood. I would say that the gospel message that I grew up with was was Good Friday and and putting aside the world for three hours and mm-hmm. and saying your prayers and saying your rosary and and but it it wasn't it wasn't the story of redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't anything that allowed you to put down baggage and know that you were redeemed. So you grew up in this pretty crowded house, yeah. tight Catholic family, yeah. uh, healthy. Yeah, I would say, part, yeah, for, for the most healthy. part, yeah. And so you graduate. <clears throat> Do you stay there, by the way, because your mom lived there till she, till ninety yeah. whatever. But uh, did she? Did you uh, graduate and stay? In I came to work? Illinois through uh, a career move. In 1987. Okay, so much later on. Much later. So um, lots of years in Michigan, tight family. Um, so what did you do after you, gra- you graduated high school? Yep. And you went where? I did uh, just a couple of years of school. Uh, I started working for uh, RCA company. Wait, RCA? RCA. The music yes. company? Yes. And it was in the RCA? product service division. Okay. And so I was actually in the sales end of that, working with dealers and uh, registering warranties and, and uh, working in a product service facility. How did you land that gig a couple years into school? And You know, looking at, for a part-time job. 
actually just looking for something part-time. And it started out as that. And um, I worked myself up into a full-time position. I ended up in, in product service management wow. in one of their zones. And then along came General Electric, who bought out RCA. Uh, and that's when I ended up coming to Illinois, to Chicago, and took a job. Got was it. able to be part of that transition, you know. Got it. Wow. Uh, so a lot so, of people were gone, and some people stayed on, and then it was a whole new culture to learn. So GE retained uh, its good leaders, it sounded like, and you were one of those well, good yeah. leaders that it retained. You made the cut. Yeah. Yeah. So you were in Michigan for, for a long time. Now you are, you're working. Mm -hmm. Um Graduated high school. Is it married? When two marry? children. When did you marry? And divorced. Okay. So when did you first marry? Uh, that would have been in 1970. 1970. Yeah. And how did you? At the age of 20. At the age of 20. Yeah. Okay. So married, uh, pretty young. Uh, yes. Not as young as I was, but uh, still yeah. right around that ballpark. Yeah. And um, uh, you get in. You have a couple of kids. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, you're like, "Whoa, this is going." Not well. At, at some point, yes. And um, did you, and not knowing the Lord. And you didn't know the so, Lord. No. So that had to have been pretty excruciating. From there was the, a lot of pain in it. Uh, not just the pain of divorce, but also the, how did you deal with, you know, when, when you walk with Jesus, you have this ability to pray and not just to like tally through prayers or to, con, you know, confess to somebody else, but there's this reliance um, but without Jesus, you're, it's it's a little bit more adrift than that. How did you navigate that, particularly, you know, mom with two kids? Yeah, uh, it's a lot more difficult to navigate, mm. um, and it was painful. I uh, went through uh, an especially painful time with one of my girls and depression on her part, and having to work through all of that. And, mm. um, but you know, Derek not growing up having that relationship with jesus yeah you know self was huge mm -hmm. and uh, i was i was self-reliant mm -hmm. and with that came certain strengths but looking back now with it came a lot of sin and just a lot of a lot of wrong i was i was really feeling pretty accomplished and pretty self-righteous back at that time mm -hmm. um definitely providing and making a living and, and my girls weren't wanting, mm -hmm. but, uh, but not walking with the Lord and, and just with knowing there had to be something else. So here you are, you're a highly competent leader. You've gone through the divorce, um, self-reliant. Hey, I can get through this. Yep. Look at me. I'm smart enough. I got this thing covered. Um, what at what point did you come to a realization actually i i may need someone outside of myself did you find yourself always looking for something else or were you really not looking and then something happened to cause you to start looking i i i would say i wasn't focused on looking mm -hmm. um god and his goodness allowed me to meet wayne yeah and to Come to know this man and fall in love with this man and have a second marriage. Okay, so let's rewind just a little bit. So, how did you meet Wayne? Through work. Through work. Here Through in Illinois. GE, yes. GE. Right. So, uh, two people making the light bulbs. 
and uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and the light goes off. Yeah. So you guys met up. Two met people up. freaking over refrigeration breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, how old were the kids when you met them? Oh my goodness, let me think here. Uh, uh, junior high and high school. Junior high and high school. Yes. Was Wayne a believer when you met him? Was no. He not a believer? So no. you were both not believers. Had also been raised Catholic. Also raised Catholic. But we had three daughters who had come to know the Lord. Really? Yes. Okay, so I just want to set the scene. So um, two good Catholics find each other and find love and happiness and get married. You're raising two kids. Are they? Are you raising them Catholic? Or just not, just whatever. Just whatever. Just whatever. Yeah. Wayne's daughters, in the meantime, though he's Catholic, they've all become followers of Jesus. Like they, not, not religious, but right. they, they're like, they've given their lives yeah. over to follow Jesus. And so they must have been praying for him like crazy. They they were praying for him. They were praying for us both. And that's what led us to the Lord. It really? was it was their prayer. And and I'm so struck in in this series that we're going through now about inviting. Yeah. And that's exactly how they approached it. They yeah. prayed like crazy. They did not evangelize. But they tell us they were praying, yeah. and they invited us. You know that that um, that telling you that they're praying and inviting you is a form of evangelization, right? Right. It's uh, in some ways it just uh, they had a culturally sensitive ear. They knew who they were talking to, and, and uh, that maybe that was the best way forward. Mm -hmm. What was it that? Um, so first of all, who came to faith first? You, Wayne, or did you both come to faith at the same time? We came to faith at the same time. The same time? At the same time. All right, so you have to set the scene for me. So okay. there's a lot of kids who pray for parents and a lot of parents who never get there. Um, and then there are some kids who pray for parents and their parents get there. Mm -hmm. So that's the case mm -hmm. here. Uh, three daughters praying for the two of you, and uh, you both come to faith at the same time. What happened? Well, it was subtle at first. Uh, Things like we would get in a car to go wherever to run an errand and we would find the station that had been on country western music had been left on a Christian radio station. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. Is that a good thing or is that just annoying? Uh, initially annoying. <laughs> to be really candid, initially annoying. Sure. I'm trying to listen to Lucille and now I'm listening to yeah. Keith Green. So 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 initially if you were in the vehicle by yourself or it was just the two of us, we'd hit the button and we'd change it. Now if the girls were there think well, maybe we should just leave this on for a little bit okay. and christian music being scriptural as it was then more than i think it is now mm -hmm. um started to speak to us and then their invites started to come and they came to to the lord through uh, being invited to a youth group uh, at calvary okay and becoming involved with just kids there and just being part of that circle. Were you guys in Naperville at yes. that time? Okay, yes. Right. So when you moved to Illinois, did you move to Naperville? Yes. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and so they just developed this circle around them that prayed for them and invited them and took them and they heard the gospel message and accepted the Lord. Yeah. And uh, that was the beginning of it. And so they started inviting us. And it was, again, pretty subtle. It wasn't come to service with me it was so-and-so who we had come to know as their friends 
uh, is uh, part of a play this weekend at the church, or so-and-so is going to give their testimony today. Yeah, they were half-stepping relationships. Right. Yeah. So so we knew them. We thought they were great kids. We'll go and support it was an you. Easy, right. we'll, we'll be there to support you. Yeah, easy invite. And so that went on for the better part of a year, and we would go. And gradually there would be some discussion afterwards. Uh, and then they invited us to a production which, you know, as I look back and, and I've studied about that production, God speaks in different ways to different people, but we went to Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Okay. And we were saved at that. That's awesome. And, so now, you know, at, I, at what point do you guys, because you're, you know, when you go, when you enter into a different religious environment from how you were raised, mm -hmm. right? Um, different people have different reactions. Some people go, okay, it's the, different version of the same thing. Uh, you know, it's foreign to me. I don't do it this way, but I don't really care necessarily. It's just another form of religion. Mm -hmm. Other people get around it and they go, Man, there's something really different about this. This is not at all what I thought church was supposed to be like. And I'm kind of, there seems like there's something living here. Um, sometimes that's not discovered until after, you know, a response. There's, there's a lot of stories of people, you know, who get saved at a revival and then afterward they'll be like, oh, no, okay, this is what church is going to be because these people are as passionate as I am about meeting this Jesus that I used to not think, I thought he was a nice figure, but I didn't know he was real and now he's real. How was it for the two of you? How was your relationship with kind of this new uh, expression of church. It's not Roman Catholic, it's Protestant, it's Calvary. It's Yeah. It, it went from um, guilt and fear-based to love-based mm. and, and to really knowing that Jesus had died for me. Mm -hmm. And it was so personal. And, and it just allowed both of us to take we were we were in our mid 40s late 40s to take all that baggage in your late 40s yes oh wow all all the baggage that had been there that you know we could discount and we could say but i can i can rise above that i could and just finally lay it down oh you know that's fantastic it was it was do you so heaven's gates hell's flames yeah. do you still recall did you guys say a prayer? Is that a part of the invitation? Of yes. It? You can say a prayer. Right. So, do you recall the, uh, the? Was there a sensation? Was there a? You know, when I uh, came to faith and I said that prayer, I, I didn't say it in the context of an altar call. I said it on my own. But I can still remember uh, a sense that the the emptiness I felt in my soul, my heart. Um, just wasn't there. Yeah. Like, so, like, and it was that ache that I really was very familiar with before Christ uh, was suddenly gone. It didn't mean it was easy, after, mm -hmm. but it just meant the ache was gone. Did you remember the prayer and the results of that at that time? I can remember the prayer and I can remember the two of us for several days afterwards um, remarking about 
you still got the smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was truly exciting. And here you have this partner that you're launching on this journey yeah. with that you love. Yeah. What a huge yeah. blessing of God. I mean, right? Like this is a uh, several things happen at that moment. First, your your family structure, your blended family, goes from minority Christian to majority Christian. Right. Yes. Um, and secondly, now you've got someone that you've married, that you love, that you've worked with, or were you still working together in the same place? Still mm, GE? Uh, let's see. At the point, no, the point that we got married, uh, Wayne had started in real estate and I was finishing up uh, working for Montgomery Ward. I got gone it. from GE to Best Buy to Montgomery Ward and then joined him later in real estate. Okay, got it. So. Um, here you are, you're, you're two people in the same house who really have the same starting point, which means you get to go through some of the highs and lows together, but also the, when the other person is, uh, wondering or questioning, it allows, you know, sometimes with your spouse, you're not in the same place. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I, this is true for Melissa and I, sometimes I will take the leap of faith. I know it's the right leap. And when I start getting cold feet, she's like, nobody, that ship has sailed. Like we're, we're, it's in for a penny and for a pound. And she, we help each other through. Was that similar to what you guys experienced or was it yeah. a very different? No, I, I would say that's, that's, that's very true. And, and the girls and their joy was just overflowing. And so, you know, we could bounce things off these teenagers and, and just have that perspective, mm -hmm. which we had found that's part of what, kept drawing us was the fact that they would invite us and it was to it was to events and testimonials that were coming from young people mm -hmm. uh, not not out of quote knowledge education you know it, it was it was just so from the heart yeah it wasn't like on high attend a class no, you're the expert it wasn't academic at all yeah it was it was just pure faith and pure sharing faith. that faith so you're both Christians mm -hmm. and you are growing now in faith. And a part of that journey, you're in your forties, um, is now you got to figure out familiarity with the Bible again, yeah. uh, doctrine, all of that. You know, there's kind of a roller coaster of love you go through. And, and can you describe your process of growth? Uh, what did you find to be most key as you were growing as a Christian? What were some of the either disciplines or things you valued that you really said, okay, this is, this was a major uh, moment or a pivot point or an important principle that I learned um, in process. Yeah. Um, well, a couple of things that happened uh, when we first came to know the Lord is we, we remained at Calvary for a short period of time. And I think because we were uh, rather senior in years, uh, and new in our faith, we felt very small mm -hmm. in this huge setting. And um, we struggled getting connected. Mm. And uh, yeah, you've been coming for others. Now you're across the threshold, mm -hmm. but there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of connectivity. Yeah, it, it was just, it was just huge. It was big. It was almost daunting from, from a, um, where where we were going to worship study mm. and study and uh one of our clients in in real estate at that time we were talking to them about it 
And, and I guess that was the thing that we first noticed that was so different, that you, you could talk to people about faith. As a Catholic, we just never did that. You know, you yeah. believed you did your thing and that was it. But uh, they said, well, you should come over to where we go to church. And they directed us here and just said, it's smaller. It's more intimate. It's was welcome this, Was this church. Naperville Bible at the time? Or? Uh, it was Naperville Bible at the time, yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, we heard John preach and it was just so personal. And again, not... That's John, plen John, Bell, John Bell for our listeners, right. yeah. Plenty of scripture and, and very sound, but also a message that just, it seemed like every week, you know, he was just talking directly to me. Mm -hmm. We'd go home and Wayne would say, he was talking to me. How'd he know? You know, where, how did he know I needed that now? So was a part of the process then for you, a major part, coming and listening to the message and then it was unpacking what that message meant yeah. in your daily life? I think it was uh, appreciating the 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 Holy Spirit in our lives mm -hmm. and and really having our eyes opened and finding just excitement in reading the word and saying ah, how did you, how did that happen how did you, how did you familiarize yourself with the word with uh, the Bible uh, through through some Bible studies okay. when we came here we got involved in in Sunday school groups and, and studying the word. Uh, and before long, we were in a small group. Was it, was it, uh, for, you know, there's different degrees of Bible studies. Mm -hmm. And um, in some Bible studies, it's like you've jumped into the deep end of the pool. And there's you a, need different highlighter colors and, and, exactly and so much right. that you, you, you know. There, well, there's a, there's a great yeah. joke about a preacher in England uh, and a couple of college students. They said, yeah, when we left for college, he was starting in the book of John. When we came back, he was on verse four. Yeah. So, uh, how did you guys approach that? Because you're in a Sunday school class. Mm -hmm. uh, how much was assumed that you knew? How much was it was not assumed? Uh, how did you how did you process the learning curve? Of that? Yeah, uh, I would say the studies weren't weren't deep as far as again being academia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you didn't need the highlighters, and you didn't need to. Uh, you didn't have to like separate, learn what exegete yeah, 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 means yeah. or what's the Greek say or anything um, like that. It, it was all pretty new to us. I mean, in all my years in the Catholic Church, uh, I don't remember opening a Bible. Mm. That's a big statement. In all my years in the Catholic Church, I don't remember opening a Bible. No, yeah, yeah. no. It, you know, that's a common. Uh, thing I hear. I know it's not an exclusive thing, but it's just a common thing. Yeah. And and can I can I point to the Catholic Church and say that was all their fault? No, I've got to go back to Leslie and say, well, listen, you were that self righteous. I could do it all. I'm right, doing fine. Person do lend themselves to yeah. say, just listen to us. It'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think um, one of the beauties of um, a transformation of the heart is a desire to see it for yourself. And the Holy Spirit saying, no, I want you to see this. and I'm going to talk to you through God's word. That's what it's there for. It's mm -hmm. not just there for an elite to tell you what it's saying. Mm -hmm. It's there for you to read for mm -hmm. yourself and yeah. to chew on it and yeah. consider it. So how did you wind up uh, getting familiar with the Bible? Was it just because Sunday school kept pointing you to certain mm -hmm. passages yeah. and you'd follow with? Uh, and, and it. 
and it was speaking to us. It was really so. It was it was. Did you find it was really good news? Did you find in yourself at some point a desire to be in the Bible outside of church or outside of Sunday school? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think what we both realized is that uh, we had lived a whole lot of years uh, thinking we understood what our purpose was. Hmm. And we were learning that it was completely different. Wow. Um, so in the earlier years, what would you have said your purpose was? It was accomplishment and self. Accomplishment it was, it was climbing ladders. It was accumulating. It was storing up. It mm. was it was typical suburban, me, me, worldly me. Yeah. life. As long as I'm a good person yeah. and get as much as yeah. I can out of this life, then yeah. I'm successful. Right. And then uh, after Christ you start to discover this other purpose. Yeah. And one of the classes that we went through early on was uh, a spiritual gifts class. Mm -hmm. And that was enlightening. What, now, what did you discover your spiritual gifts to be? We both lent towards mercy. Mercy? Mm -hmm. I can see that. Uh, and uh, what I find interesting is, is having been there at age 46 and being where I am now at... <clears throat> <laughs> nicely done that you know god just continues to bless with those gifts yeah and and what was the focus then changes with circumstance and what the world throws at you yeah uh and mercy but i would also i'm surprised because i i see mercy i know you pretty well um, but i also see wisdom yes yeah. Yeah. And and that's uh that's been all God's work, you know, what he what he did in us initially with salvation. Uh what he's done in us, what he did in both of us and mm -hmm. continues to do in me. And and now what he wants to do through me. Were there any uh you know, some people graduate steady and consistently. Mm -hmm. I said graduate, didn't I? But I meant was grow. Grow. They grow uh, steady and consistently. Um, in my life, it's the latter half of my life has been more like that. The early part was a little bit more things would go okay, and then it would be like trial by fire. Maybe this period of just intensity. And mm -hmm. then on the opposite side of that intensity, I'd come out of a different place in my spirituality. And then that would go well, and then something would happen, and it would be another ton of fire. So the first part of my journey was a lot looked more like a staircase mm. than a ramp. Um, how would you describe your own process? Is it more of a has, and especially because you know, you look back over you have a, you know a few decades now mm. of following Jesus. Has it been more ramp, or has it been stair, or has it been a, a combination of the two? And if stair, or if there's a combination, what would you say were those points? Uh, where it was, you know, intense. Ooh. Right. So we were we were saved in '96, uh, okay. and in '99 came uh, a lot of stair climbing mm -hmm. and and uh, trial, and that was Wayne's cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so the diagnosis, uh, you know, I remember him being in in one of the rooms that we used in our home as an office and. It was the room that I usually used, but he picked up the phone in there and I was already sitting in there and I just 
you know, he had gone for some tests. He wasn't feeling well. And I could hear him say, really? Uh-huh. How long? And your heart just... And so the diagnosis was incurable. And the prognosis was about two years. Uh, and so there just was the trial. Yeah. Yeah. 1999? 1999. Okay. And, uh, and so... And you're relatively young believers. Yes. Four years, three yeah. years in, something like that. Right. But Derek, I, I, I can't even describe how God just just picked us up and carried us, but it was a steep staircase. Mm -hmm. It it was steep. And a lot of tears. A lot of tears. Years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember when we left uh the oncology department at Loyola after getting the whole big picture painted. And what was going to have to happen. And we, we stopped at uh, Maggiano's in Oak Brook and went into the bar and we ordered a glass of wine and literally sat there and cried drinking wine. Mm -hmm. And people were looking at us like, oh, this must be the end of a marriage, uh, something bad. Right, right, right. Well, yes, it was something bad. But We were there trying to cherish the moment, but realizing yeah. the, the fleeting nature of it and the and then came having to tell our kids. Yeah. And so when I say God picked us up and carried us, he took us into the word. He reminded us of his promises. And he reminded us both that, you know, eternity, we have salvation. We're good. Mm -hmm. And I remember Wayne telling the girls, um, the worst thing that could happen from a worldly perspective is the best thing that can happen to me as a believer and a follower of Christ. Oh, I'm going goodness. home. Can you repeat that just yeah. a little louder? Because that's incredible. The worst thing that can happen to me from a worldly perspective, death, mm -hmm. is the best thing that can happen to me as a follower and believer in Christ. What an incredible statement. Yes. And I, I want the listeners to really let that sink in because that's a statement that's made in context that he's saying that uh in the context of of knowing the severity of the situation mm -hmm. and um it doesn't drive him away no. instead it provides him greater hope and and uh and help mm -hmm. it's a source of comfort in the middle of what is a really trying time. Um, you know, I'm reminded um, that when you lose someone, the, the greater the love, the greater the hope. Yeah. You know. Um, uh, now, how accurate was the original prognosis of two years? Uh, it turned into seven. Two turned yeah. into seven. Two turned into seven. And so God graced you with three times as many yeah. years? Yeah. And God used that time um, for his purpose. I mean, I, the hospitalizations and the treatments were brutal. Yeah. There were two stem cell transplants, Ooh. one which took uh, and put Wayne into remission for almost five years. Mm. And, you know, when you, when, when, when you are blessed with a time back 
that you you could never even dream would happen. Um, you have a sense of gratitude, and yeah. uh, and and knowing where that came from, yeah. uh, that makes you live differently. Um, I remember nurses in the hospital, at, at the worst of the treatment points, were in a stem cell transplant environment. They have to almost kill you to make you better. Mm-hmm. You know the treatment's that severe, and everything that was done for Wayne. Uh, it was, if he needed something, it was please. If when he got what he needed, there was a thank you. And, and that was Christ in him. That, that was his faith playing out through all of this, that again, the worst thing that could happen would be the best thing that could happen. And we had nurses asking us, they would ask him, I would be there, you know, from six in the morning till whatever at night, take him home, bring him back at six in the morning. This went on for six weeks Mm. Uh, or the nights when he was in the hospital and I'd sleep in a chair and someone would come in and something wrong would be going on. I mean, definitely wrong. It should have been done differently, but we would stay calm. It would get taken care of. How how can you do this and not get upset? Mm -hmm. And we were able to say, it's not me. Believe me. If it was the old me, <laughs> yeah. you'd have had an earful by now. I have Christ in me. Isn't that something? Yeah. I love, I love the um, the way that Christ shines in in real life circumstances. Because you know, this is this is really hard. It's a hard journey to go through. Um, and yet you be able to say, okay, that was a moment where he carried me through. That was a moment where he spoke through me. Um, that temptation of our old self or our new selves. Now, sometimes we wonder, man, am I making any progress at all? Right. And then you look at moments like that and you go, oh, actually he who is within me is greater Hmm. than he who's in the world. And so you're gifted with these years. Mm-hmm. You're thankful for those years. And I mean, what a gift, right? To, to be told to, to walk away with seven yeah. is, um, it's one of those small moments where God says, I'm not only going to answer some prayers, not going to be full healing. There'll be ultimate healing, mm-hmm. but, uh, but not, um, not necessarily full healing in this life, but I am going to give you reprieve and gift you with a little more time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he passed away in uh, what year? 2006. 2006. Yeah, yeah. Here we are in 2020. 2020. Which is wild. 14 yeah. years. Yeah, and, and, it, and it, it absolutely doesn't seem like that long ago. Now, uh, I know you to be an exceptionally good realtor. And I, again, not at all surprising that you're great at what you do because it sounds like you've been great at whatever you put your mind to for a very long time. Wayne was in real estate. Had you joined him in real estate somewhere in there? Right. We had worked for a number of brokerages and then opened our own. Okay. So you had your own real estate. Independent, very small, you know, two son-in-laws for a period of time, part-time, but just basically the two of us. And since his death, it's, you know, I'm my shop. Now you, um, the, the kids are out of the house. Yeah. When Wayne passes. Yeah. They're all grown. Yes. Um, and you, uh, 
uh, I've been blessed with great grandkids. I know tons of them, tons of them <laughs> and a communal and a pool that they can all join in, uh, which is great during this particular season of, of COVID. Um, one of the things that, you know, people like me, uh, have the opportunity to observe from, uh, maybe a distance when they, when they, for those of us who know you, one of the things that we see is great faithfulness, um, mixed with incredible discipline and competency. Um, you know, now here you are, you're your own boss, you know, there's not a partner to lean on. You're grieving in 2006. You just lost the love of your life. Um, there are things to do, which in some ways is a helpful distraction, but in other ways, because you did it together as a painful mm -hmm. reminder. And um, none of it drove you away from God, but instead it seemed like it drove you to greater, even greater faithfulness and perspective. Can you talk to me about kind of navigating the years since 2006? Because, mm -hmm. you know, you've, you've been lead deacon, you've been pivotal in leadership, you've done... Um, You've not only served in the church, but you've served graciously in the church, and you've um, you continue to display. And I'm not saying this just to say it, but you, you continue to display grace and wisdom rather than a hardening of the heart. How, can you talk me through just how has all of that worked? It's remembering again that that. I carried baggage and uh, that's all gone. God, God is so, so gracious. Uh, even, even in the worst of all of that stuff, mm -hmm. uh, the blessings were abundant, the added time, uh, this church family, mm -hmm. oh my goodness. Uh, that's, that's the thing that carried me for a long time. I can remember uh, sitting in deacon meetings as, as Wayne's uh, second stem cell transplant obviously was not working. It wasn't taking, and, and time was going to be short. And, uh, you know, I'd be a fool to say that there weren't valleys through all of this. And I was in one of those valleys that night. And I, I said to the deacon board, I said, I don't know how to pray right now. Mm. I, I just don't a, know. I can't a, find honest, the words. What a great, pray. honest statement. Yeah. Yeah. And to have that group of people just come around me and pray. And I remember Hal Munsell in my yeah. small group. Yeah. To have him in, in a small group going through this. I mean, the Lord just provided in so many ways. So so I was carried. I was carried by other believers and I, carried I, by the word. Can I just uh, point out something really critical there? And that is the willingness to be transparent and authentic on the journey is so key. You had a willingness to do that. And just to simply say, you know, some people, their pride stops them. Um, but when you, when you don't have yourself at stake and you can, you can just feel the freedom to say, this is just where I'm at. Um, it allows the body of Christ to minister in the way the body of Christ does. Mm -hmm. There's something about a lack of pretense in all of this that I think is so key to growth and health and life and journey that I think a lot of people miss out on because they're trying to project some form of strength that they that 
may or may not actually be there mm-hmm. in any given moment. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's kind of like I, I, Sunday morning at church, you know, if we think that is the church, we deceive ourselves right. because we clean up. We tend to try to leave stuff outside the door and we all come in and, and things, things are good. Right. And we go out and we pick up that baggage. Yeah. Um, and, and just being able to be transparent with believers is such a huge blessing. Yeah. Um, so I was carried by, by Grace Point, and, and you made the point that here I was an empty nester, and, you know, uh, the church became my family, mm. truly, truly became my family. Uh, I could I could be transparent. I could admit the lows. Uh, I could call on other people. And, and most of the time, I didn't even have to call on them. They were calling on me. So uh, that's that's been the transition. And then God just continually pointing out to me, uh, I've got this. I have absolutely got this. I am blessed. Um while there has been illness and there have been challenges, I still look around and I go, I don't know how I landed here. I mean, but it, it's it's God. I am so blessed. Well, you've also poured your life into others yeah. pretty consistently. And, and others have been blessed by you in um, your leadership and your grace and your mercy uh, and gifts. And I think those are all, it's a, it's a mutual yeah. kind of building up, which it's, it's scriptural, right? Yes. The mutual building up of one another. Now, so let me ask you a question. So here, here you are, you're a mature believer and you know, that's not an age thing. You can, people can be no, um, no. older and not be mature, yeah. um, but you're a mature believer. Um, the issue of devotion is really settled for you. You've been through that big character change. You, you yourself have said, I'm no longer achieving it. My identity isn't built on my achievement. It's really built on my identity in Christ. And that's been a huge shift in your life. Um, as you know, if you were to give some advice to others who are in the process of maturity, not per- nobody's perfect, right? We're all still maturing, but um, maturity is an, an expectation. But there are so many that are in that process of it. They're in the you know on the roller coaster of spiritual goosebumps or not they're um just discovering god's word they're being open to it some maybe on the verge of slipping into legalism Mm. others are seeing grace and going i need to be gracious but um, does that mean a lack of accountability do i just let someone go their own way or how do i love someone enough to keep them accountable and yet still um, allow them space for them to have their process Others are in their own character conflict. Is, is there any piece of advice or words of insight that you may have specifically for those going, they're really just immersed in that part of the journey? Yeah. Um, go deep in the word, mm. you know, and stay in the word. Um, you know, the Bible's our true north. It's our compass. And so uh, if if you're out there and not doing that, you're, you're going to wander off the path. You're going to, you're going to try to go back to self saying, this is the way versus the word saying, this is the way. And I, and I think equally important and, and maybe now I, I view it as more important is, is prayer time. Mm. Just, you know, 
this book allows God to speak to me, but God longs for me to speak to him mm. and have relationship with him. Wow, what a great statement. Um, and that's, that's, that's what makes my Christian walk a relational walk with Jesus. Yeah. You know? um, and then finding accountability partners or a small group or just a couple of friends that you can continue to study with um, not necessarily those who've been Christians the longest, but where your mind is really, you know, you, you are just saying, spirit, be with us, you know, let this resonate, open our eyes, um, and stay with that. And the minute I back away from that or life gets busy and I start, well, I, I can feel that stuff seeping back in about, oh, I, I've got a really good idea or I, you know, and, and I'm not checking it with what God's purpose for my life is. Mm. Boy, those are, re all three of those are incredibly insightful. And it, it struck me again, you know, when you talk about the, the importance of scripture, that, um, you know, in your own journey, it's, you're not saying, okay, you have to study page, whatever it is. You're really saying uh, you need to be around scripture a lot. You need to learn how to interact with it. And then you need to start owning, going to scripture as your source of truth. And then, boy, that statement on prayer, just so tremendous that God loves for us to talk to him, which gets back to that relational authenticity. And then that third thing of just being community and how easy it is to isolate mm. and slip away. And I love, and I just want to draw this out for the listener, the way that you tied that in to pride, that sometimes the trigger for us really... Uh, going astray or afield in our spiritual journey, the triggers often isolation. Mm -hmm. We start to create narratives that others aren't there to go, Hey, how are you doing? What, what about this in the word? Have you thought of this? Cause you're not drawing in the other perspectives that are around you. Yeah. So, 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 so key. And I think a huge word of encouragement. Um, now there are people who are probably wondering, well, where do I start in the word? And I think your, um, advice of saying, well, start with a Sunday school class. Mm -hmm. So that, that's really a triumvirate, right? Like a, a triad of principles. If you're unsure how to get to the word, get to a class or a life group, or you can start with the word and then get to a class, or you start with prayer and then you can get to one of the other two. The, there's just so much that's uh, important about the way that those three things work together to develop. Yeah. A follower of Jesus. Yeah, because if you if you isolate and 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 just study the word, uh, you can you can end up over on the side of just knowledge without wisdom. Mm, that's so powerful. You knowledge know? without wisdom. Yeah. And a lot of people do that, don't yeah. they? Yeah. They they view themselves as students of the word mm -hmm. rather than learners right. of God's truth through the word. Right. And then there's no fruit. You know, I, I think of it in, in relationship to uh, uh, having a, a uh, child who is uh, forever in college. You know, there are there are kids who just go and go and go and they and they love the knowledge. They just and, you know, it's eight years later and they're still I'm going to do this class and I'm going to. Yeah. And does anything come of that? No. Oh, that's so good. You know, there, there's there's yeah. no application that bears fruit. Yeah. Um, 
hopefully mom and dad learned after four years not to pay for it anymore, but <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. it's, it's the same thing. I mean, we can, we can uh, fool ourselves into filling our brains and even memorizing scripture, but without application, which comes through, I think, speaking with God yeah. and saying, show me, Lord, show me where, where is my place? Where is my purpose? And then doing that in community, because again, as a Lone Ranger, I think the opportunity for pride comes in much easier. Boy, that, uh, that is so scriptural. Everything you just unpacked there, just so scriptural. Like it's so true. I love the college illustration um, because I think also, you're right, people get legalistic mm -hmm. because they believe their knowledge is enough. But it's a you know, great check against knowledge is reality. <laughs> right, a great check. That's like in college, this is the way things should be. Okay, great. A great check against all of your theory is to go and do. Go try that. That's right. <laughs> right. And so is there a place for theory? Sure there is. Of course there is. Um, can theory be good? Absolutely. But theory without practice will leave uh, you um, prideful and idealistic in a way that once that idealism is really challenged, it actually causes a lot of people to fall and fall away from faith even, which is unfortunate. unfortunate. Well, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, I Derek. mean, this is tremendous. Uh, to the listener, as you're listening to this podcast, you're going to want to rewind some of this. Uh, there were some statements in this that are just gold. Like, go, I, I'm going to go back and listen through this uh, probably a couple of times because the relationship that Leslie's describing, but in a, in especially of those three things, word, prayer, and group, but particularly with respect to our relationship to God and a lack of pride, I think is so key. And um, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank God.